we are looking at the purpose and the power of what? A prophecy. We serve a supernatural God. And man was made by a supernatural God. So man will never be satisfied with anything less than the supernatural. I hope you know that. The supernatural fascinates, it excites, it inspires. And because of this, man craves the supernatural. Because man knows that the natural world is governed by the supernatural world. Are you following me? In Genesis 1 verse 26, God says, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I want you to pay attention to this. God is a spirit and God made man in his image. Then man must of necessity be a spirit. In Job 10, verse 11, Job 10, 11, it says, now give it to me, the Oaken James. It says, thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh. Who is me? The spirit. See, thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh. And thou hast fenced me with bones and sinews. Verse 12, thou hast granted me life and favor, thy visitation has preserved my spirit. The soul was formed when the breath of God made contact with the body of man. Are you following me? The Bible says God breathed into man the breath of life. The breath of life. And man became what? A living soul. Because man came from a spiritual world, he is never satisfied until he makes contact with that world. That's why until a man or woman is born again, they'll keep on searching for something beyond the natural realm. Hallelujah. When a man or woman is born again, he or she is awakened to the fatherhood of God. Awakened to the fatherhood of God. We are all God's creation. We are not all God's children. You become God's child when you're born again. Are we together? 
The Bible tells us in John 3, verse 6, it says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is what is spirit. So being born again is the actual rebirth of the human spirit. When man fell, he became a captive of the psychic realm. The psychic realm is the soulish realm. The Bible calls it the natural realm. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, where the Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The word natural there is the word sukikos. Sukikos. In other words, the soulish man. You see that? The soulish man. Receiving not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Give it to me in the Good News Translation, please. It says, whoever doesn't have the Spirit, which is talking about the natural man, the Sukikos man. See, that's where you hear them say things like soul travel. Because they are in the Sukikos realm. They are not spiritual men. See, that's the devil's realm, the soulish realm. It says, whoever doesn't have the spirit cannot receive the gifts that come from God's spirit. Such a person does not really understand them. They seem to be nonsense because their value can be judged only on a spiritual basis. Many people are living in the soulish realm. Though they are born again, they don't know there's a higher life. Second Corinthians five verse four. It says, "For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that, that we will be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life." That's when the rapture takes place, where your your natural being is caught up into the realm of the spirit. The glorified body is born. Are you following me? Let's read on. Verse 5. It says, Now that he wrought us for the same self, he has wrought for us for the self. Now he that has wrought for us the self same thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. When you're born again and you receive the Holy Ghost, you were born into a higher realm. You were born into the realm of the Spirit. Give this to me in the message translation, MSG. The Spirit of God wastes our appetite. By giving us a taste of what's ahead, it puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. See, receiving the Holy Ghost is a foretaste of heaven. And that's why you must learn to live in that realm. To live in that realm. Tell us on live in that realm. All right. Now, we're going to be digging into some stuff here tonight. We have been looking at prophecy. Prophecy is a spiritual thing. In 2 Peter 1, verse 20 to 21, the Bible says, 
knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Next. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved how? By the Holy Ghost. They spoke under the influence and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. See, you will not be able to enjoy the fullness of what God has for you until you get filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. When you got born again, you took your first step into the supernatural. When you got filled with the Holy Ghost, you took a dive into the waters of the Spirit. You see? It says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this specky of the Holy Ghost, which they which believe on him should receive. John 7, 37 to 39. Are you following me? All right. Okay, we define prophecy. We said, give them 38 and 39 quickly so they can see that. I like people seeing the scriptures. 38 and 39 quickly. Out of, okay, the next. You're looking at... The new King James, that's fine. All right, now, what's prophecy? We said prophecy is inspired utterance in a known language. While speaking in tongues, inspired utterance in an unknown language. Number two, what is prophecy? Speaking under the influence and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't try to prophesy by yourself. The Holy Ghost gives you a word. We held a meeting, and by the Spirit, I was praying for one of our leaders, and I said, um, and you're going to have three children. And I said, I don't know why I said three children. Is it three children you want to have? And she said, yes, that's what she wanted to have. I couldn't have known that. See, prophecy is supernatural. Are you following me? All right. Number three, what is prophecy? It is speaking the word of God under the inspiration or direction of the Holy Spirit. See, you don't say what you want to say. It tells you what to say. Number four. Prophecy is saying what God is saying. You are saying what God the Father is saying by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. Number five. Prophecy is giving voice to the word of God. You're giving voice to the word of God. That's prophecy. Then we began looking at the purpose of prophecy. Number one, to initiate divine activity. God will never do anything unless he reveals a secret to his servants, the prophets. If God's going to do something, he will show some, someone so the person can say it. Because God has given authority in the earth realm to man. You see that? So someone has to speak it into the air realm. Number two. To prepare or forewarn us. God gives us prophecy to prepare or to forewarn us. To give us a warning ahead of time. Number three. To inspire hope. Prophecy inspires hope. It gives you hope. It gives you something to look forward to. Look at Jeremiah 29 verse 10. It's given them a prophecy. 
It says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years I completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know, he says, the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of, e- not of evil, to give you a future and what? And a hope. So why did God give them the prophecy to give them hope? For instance, in Luke 22, 31 and 32, Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, or Shimon, Shimon in Hebrew, he says, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Then he says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now he gave him hope. He knew he was going to backslide. He backslide rather. So Peter knew it. So when it happened, he knew, oh, when I'm converted, the old King James says. So he knew that when I come back to God, my position is still in place. Prophecy gives us hope. Are you following me? All right. Number four. Prophecy reveals the future. This was where we were in the morning when the Spirit of God took over the service and people started crying. Prophecy reveals the future. It is a partial partial insight into the future. It doesn't give you all the details. It gives you partial insight. We know in part, give it to me, we prophesy how in part. It's partial insight. It's a glimpse into the future. That's what prophecy does. In Genesis 25 verse 22, it says, but the children struggled together within her and she said, if all is well, why am I like this? Rebecca is complaining. So she went to inquire of the Lord, next verse, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two nations. So now God, by the Spirit, is revealing to Rebecca that you may be looking at two children, but I see two nations. The house of Israel and the house of Edom. Two nations. The Edomites, the sons of Esau, the Fulanese, the Lebanese, the red men, when you see people, those who are red skin, most of them in the Arab community are descendants of Israel. The future. Say the future. Yeah. And that's why it gives you hope. Two peoples are separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. Then he says, and the older shall do what? Shall serve how? The younger. Now, this is a very strong statement. There's something that got my attention many years ago. When I was studying and God said, Jacob have I loved and gave it to me. Esau have I hated. You know why? Because Esau was profane. He valued material things or physical things more than spiritual things. If you're here today and you value material things more than spiritual things, you will serve those who value spiritual things above material things. Hallelujah. 
Now let's look at the future. Genesis 17 verse 20. As for Ishmael, or Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I blessed him and will make him exceedingly fruitful. And will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. We have the royal family of Saudi Arabia, the royal family of, of um, the Sakron Deninus of Jordan. Twelve princes. And if you observe the Muslim nations, there are many royal families. Prophecy reveals the future. When the Lord spoke about pestilences, many didn't take him seriously and removed it from the scriptures. But thank God for the King James for the sincerity. Like in Luke 21, verse 25. Look at this. No, give, give it to me, verse 10. We'll come back here. Give me verse 10. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation. Doesn't happen around the world. Now this word here is ethnos against ethnos. That's ethnic groups. When you see things in those days of the Ishakiri Urobo, Ishakiri Izon, those are ethnic nations against nations. But at the same time, on the global scale, when you look at the nations as recognized by United Nations Charter, like Nigeria is a nation state, but nations also rise up against nations. Are you aware of that in the, in the bigger picture? And kingdom against kingdom. Next. There will be great earthquakes in various places. How many of you went online to check earthquakes that happened as I gave you an assignment this morning? Did you go check it? Okay. Earthquakes happens every day. Several. They report only the big ones. And famines and pestilences and there will be fearful signs and great signs from heaven. It's showing us the future. Give it to me in the Amplified Version. Amplified. There will be mighty and violent earthquakes. And in various places, famines and pestilences, plagues. Then he explains it. Colon. Malignant and contagious. The plagues. Or infectious epidemic diseases which are deadly and devastating like people are seeing in the world today. Jesus spoke about it. There'll be infectious diseases. Go online and read about the Spanish flu. People died like flies all around the world. It's an influenza. This same stuff is an influenza. But a child of God... <laughs> Hallelujah. You're safe. Amen. If you're born again, you're safe. Say, I'm safe. And there'll be signs of terror and great signs from where? The heavens. Give me verse 25 now. And there'll be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on earth, distress of nations. They are confused right now. We perplexed it. The seas and the waves roaring. Those are tsunamis. Jesus spoke about tsunamis. 
We looked at some things in the morning, how it says stars will fall, and the word is a star, which means asteroids will fall. Asteroids fall from time to time around the world. And there's a big one coming. They are believing it to fall in 2029. That's why America has launched what they call the Space Force. Have you heard of the Space Force? So that they can go and blow up that asteroid. Because if it comes, if they don't stop it, it will destroy Los Angeles and parts of Mexico. He said so. In fact, there's one... The Bible speaks of one word. When there was a blast in Russia, and it, it was one of the most terrible nuclear blasts in Chernobyl. All these things are in your Bible. See, the Bible is a prophetic book. In fact, my term paper when I was in LMC was to write 90 pages to prove eschatology that God is the sovereign of the times. And I had to investigate prophetically, reading books to see how God has spoken things and they've come to pass in the earth. Nothing is surprising to God. Hallelujah. The one world government is, is spoken of. In Revelation 13, let's begin from verse 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and saw a beast riding up out of the sea, the sea of humanity, having seven heads and ten horns, European nations, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. In most European nations, one way or another, they're against God, they're against Christianity. I hope you're aware of that. They were once Christian nations. Next. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. That's Germany. His feet was like the feet of a bear. That's where? Russia. And his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. What's that? England. It shows that the final days, the most predominant language will be English. Are you following me? I don't want to go into the other parts. We will enter another message because other scriptures are popping in my head. To let you know that there is nothing happening in the world today that's a surprise to God. Nothing. Hallelujah. Say nothing. So you don't need to be scared, child of God. We read in the morning, not even, it says, not even the hair of your head will be affected. Hallelujah. Let's just look at a few things. Daniel 7, beginning from verse 1. In the first of Belshazzar, king of Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, in the first of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw him in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were staring up the great sea, and four great beasts 
came up from the sea different from the other. The first was like a lion which had eagle's wings. I watched his wings were plucked off. It was lifted from the earth and made to stand on his two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. Which nation was a lion that had eagle's wings? England. When the wing was plucked off, America was born. America's symbol is what? Thank you. The Bible says, and it was made to stand up on his two feet like a man. England, the English people became the symbol of being a gentleman. Next. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. What's a bear? Russia. It was written on one side and had three ribs in his mouth between his teeth, and it said, thoughts to it, arise, deform what flesh. Communism killed a lot of people in this world. Thirdly, after as I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which on his back, four wings of a bird. The birds also had, the beast also had four hairs, and dominion was given to it. Germany, the first Reich, the second Reich, the third Reich, and the fourth Reich. Next. After this, I saw in night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, trampling the, the residue with its feet. It was of all the beasts that were before it, and it had what? Ten horns. So prophecy reveals the future. First Kings. 13 verse 1. And behold, a man of God went falkiso ufunagi gestrum koshigi nagaginare braskishuguva geston kelos lotregiska agis gons ufunus gaskridiniai. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For I will honor my name in these last days and I will silence the work of the wicked. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. I like that, by the word of the Lord. Don't just do what you want to do. Let God lead you. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Next. Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar. Thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name. The child hadn't been born. And here the prophet is calling the name of a child that was not yet born. Revealing the future. Shall be born to the house of David. And on you shall sacrifice the priests of the high places. Who burn incense on you. And man's bones shall be burned on you. Alright. Second Kings. Chapter 23. And let's begin from verse 15. Josiah has been born. The boy that. The Bible says who will be born has been born. So let's read from verse 15. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel, that was prophesied against, the high place with Jeroboam and some of the who made Israel sin and made both that altar and the high place, he broke down. Watch this. He burned the high place, crushed it to powder, he burned the wooden image, and Josiah saw the tombs that were on the mountain, and said, and took the bones out of the tombs, and burned them on the altar. Is that what their prophet said? Huh? 
in First Kings 13. And define it according to the word of the, of the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed, who proclaimed his words. Then he said, what gravestone is this that I see? So the man said, he told him, it is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah. Can you remember the man of God now? And proclaim these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, let him alone. Let no one move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Now Josiah who took away all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria. So now Josiah also took away all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria. Which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger. And he did to them according to all the deeds he had done in Bethel. He executed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned men's bones on them and returned to Jerusalem just as it was said. It reveals the future. I believe that my coming to Biosa, some way or another, somebody would have prophesied. Where Rema, Rema uh, Bible Training Center is today, they said many years ago, a young man used to go there and pray, and he prophesied one day that from that place, the gospel would go to the ends of the earth. Fast forward many years later, the place was bought by Kenneth Higgin Ministry, and Bible students have been trained from there to go around the world. Prophecy reveals the future. Are you following me? We are looking at the purpose and what and the power of what a prophecy. I can show you again and again all through the scriptures how prophecy reveals the scripture, the future. Number five. What's the purpose of prophecy? To unveil divine plan. Prophecy gives us insight into the plans and the purposes of God. Prophecy gives us insight into the plans and the purposes of God. In 2 Kings 8, 1 to 2. Look at this. Then Elijah spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. Furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. This year, this world has seven-year cycles. The Jews call it the Shemitah. Every seven years. There's a change in the economies of the world. See, and if you understand the timings of God, you will find out that you will always prosper. Because when the Shemitah is coming, and that seventh year, God judges the wickedness in the economies of the world. And if you've gotten your life in order, and your finances in order, you will not suffer the effects of the Shemitah. That's why when you go back to the prophecies of Genesis chapter 41, when Pharaoh had a dream, it was seven years of prosperity given to me and seven years of what? Of famine. So it's a seven-year cycle. Are you following me? So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God, and she went with the household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines for how long? Seven years. A man of God sensed there was going to be an earthquake. And he called his members and said they should take communion. And it was an evening service. And they took communion. When the earthquake came, 
Even those selling glass, glass products, their glass didn't break. Nothing broke in their houses. So someone says, why do we take communion? There's a reason, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's our exemption package. When we take communion, we are saying Jesus has died our death. And through death, it is threatening to have the power of death. So whatever kills people is far from us because death is far from us. Are you following me? That's why we take communion. We've been taking communion for a long time. You see? Because it showed us certain things. And I encourage you, I said, in your homes alone, 